Welcome to You Need to See This, a film podcast about filling in the gaps of our collective cinematic experience. I'm Luce Tomlin-Brenner, and I'm joined by my spooky co-host... Spooky Cozy Orlin. Hi! Hello. It is Halloween season, so not only are we comedians, writers, filmmakers, and film lovers, but we're also horror fans. So this month, we are picking a film that at least one of us has seen and at least one of us hasn't seen that is scary in some way, and then we'll try to convince each other and you, scary listeners, that this movie is worth your time. We're going to cover everything that we think is lesser known or underappreciated this month, get you into some spooky horror films that maybe you haven't watched before, and we'll do it all with no spoilers. Mm-hmm. True, true, true. But all spiders. All yes. Unfortunately, I'm covered in spiders. You would <laughs> I would be hard dead if that was the case. Oh, would, that would be terrifying. <laughs> I couldn't record the podcast anymore because I would never stop screaming. Yeah, I saw a video the other day of someone who uh felt it to be therapeutic to have spiders crawling all over her face. Oh <laughs> my god. God, I don't know if I could keep going today. Actually, I have to go back to bed now. It was very (laughs) fascinating because I really thought about the tactile sensation of having like little, little, not even spiders, but just like pipe cleaners, like having little pipe cleaners on your face that are gently there. And you're like, all right, you have some control over that. That's kind of interesting, but uh, I don't want it in any way. (laughs) You know, it is perfect that you brought this up, Cozy, because today we're discussing the 1967 horror comedy Spider Baby or The Maddest Story Ever Told. And (laughs) Cozy, you need to see this. I've never seen this. Have you heard of it? Why haven't Uh, you seen it? I don't know. Is it based on that one that one news article? That one based on nothing. Well, then it's it's totally different than Spider Baby or whatever spider thing I'm thinking of. Yes. uh, I mean, I'd love to hear more about that news article, but please don't send it to me. I would never. Okay, good. (laughs) We'd break up as friends. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, Well, I first saw this film when a very good friend of mine from growing up, uh, Eva, brought it over uh, to my place when I lived in D.C. She was, like, visiting me for a week. And... She brought all these great movies, and one of them was Spider Baby, and I just fell in love with it. I'd never heard of it. It's like this strange kind of like low-budget grindhouse horror movie from the 60s, and it is absolutely bonkers. And like from the credits, I was like, I'm in. I fucking love this movie. And then every beat of this movie, I was like, yes, yes, yes. And so every time I watch it, I just fall in love with it. Again, like I, I just adore it so much. And so I rewatched it last night and shared it with Isaac, who had never seen it. And I just kept being like, isn't this great? Isn't this so yeah. good? <laughs> I just remembered what I was thinking of Bat Boy, the musical. Bat Boy, the article as well. Bat Boy from the National Enquirer in the early 90s. There we go. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, Bat Boy seemed uh, very cool. I was obsessed with Bat Boy as a kid. <laughs> I think he was one of the most popular articles, which is how he got a musical. Amazing. Well, well, let's get into a little bit about Spider Baby. Uh, So it was filmed in 1964, but it took a long time to get it 
finally made. Mm. Uh, so it didn't technically come out until 1967. And then it basically disappeared and was like a legend that it even existed until <laughs> it got like um, put on VHS in I think the late 90s, early 2000s. And then since then, some more pieces of it have been recovered. Uh, but there's there's a DVD of it now, but it really needs to be like restored still. There's like there's there's a few scenes that are like completely out of focus, which I love. Um, <laughs> and it really kind of strikes you as like it's not a found footage movie, but it feels like a movie that isn't a movie that like you're like, oh, no, what is this weird thing I found of this family? This is disturbing. <laughs> awesome. I like that. Yeah, it's very strange. It um, was written and directed by um, black exploitation director Jack Hill, but it was early on in his career. Uh, so he made Dementia 13, Bloodbath, then Spider Baby. And then he went on to, in the 70s, make The Big Bird Cage, Coffee, and Foxy Brown, which are his, you know, most notable films, Coffee and Foxy Brown. Um, starring the incredible Pam Greer. And he worked with, he was also the director of the follow-up to The Big Bird Cage, which is called The Big Dollhouse. Um, Those movies are fine. But (laughs) Coffee and Foxy Brown are incredible. Dementia 13 is pretty fun. But honestly, Spider Baby is like my favorite. Uh, It's just, it's so different from his exploitation films that it's like kind of, they're kind of uncomparable. Plus it's in black and white. Which is really fun. It like didn't need to be because like the late sixties there was definitely color, but I just imagine it was like the cheapest that they could do. Plus it looks like they shot it all during the day. So mm-hmm. the but many scenes are supposed to be at night. So mm-hmm. the black and white like also makes it look <laughs> darker. Um it's sta- it stars Lon Chaney Jr., which is incredible as a main character, Bruno, who is the chauffeur that cares for these children in the house and Lon Chaney if you guys don't know starred as the Wolfman in the Universal movies and then all the iterations of the Wolfman and several other monster movies through Universal so it's really cool that like this is him later that was like in the 30s and 40s so this is in the 60s much later in his career um and then a couple of women uh who kind of went on to do a few things, Beverly Washburn as the main uh, girl, Elizabeth, and Jill Banner as the other main girl, Virginia. And Jill died uh, in a horrific car accident in the early 80s. She she did a few things, but Beverly has been, like, acting in, like, B-horror movies, like, still. Uh, and, And then the other main person that's in it is Sid Haig, who's an incredible, uh, you know, exploitation actor. He was in all of the movies that Jack Hill made, The Big Bird Cage, The Big Doll House, mm-hmm. Coffee. Um, he was in Shaft. He was in like every black exploitation exploitation movie made through the 60s and 70s. But a lot of horror fans now will know him from the Rob Zombie trilogy um, as Captain Spaulding. So he's in House of a Thousand Corpses and, um, uh, what, Three from Hell, the new one, and then the middle one, Devil's Rejects. I said that out of order, but uh, <laughs> he died last year. Um, but 
he's really great. I got to meet him at a horror convention like four or five years ago. And he's really like beloved for all the Rob Zombie movies right now. But I was so psyched because I love Spider Baby so much that like I, when I got up to the front, I was just like, Spider Baby is my all-time favorite horror movie. And he like, (laughs) he like kind of like reacted like with a big shocked face. He's like, Spider Baby. Well, I don't think I've ever had anyone bring that one up to me before. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. It was so awesome. And we got a picture together. Um, I'm really happy I got to meet him before he died. And we had like a nice moment. Um, So that's the cast. Really, Lon Chaney Jr. and Sid Haig are like the main standouts of it. Um, And then the plot is the simple plot is a caretaker devotes himself to three demented siblings after their father's death. But yeah, the more complicated plot is that Lon Chaney plays Bruno, who is the chauffeur for this family, who's, you keep hearing about the father, daddy, and the aunts and uncles who are like not really around anymore, but like also are maybe staying in the basement. And Mm. it's all very like, who are these people? Where are they? And like, um, you find out that the the three children have this disease that's just in their family. So it's based on their last name. They're the Marys, Elizabeth, um, Elizabeth, Ralph, and Virginia Mary. So they have the Mary disease, which is a degenerative <laughs> disease that makes you age backwards until you're like, you know, like beyond not beyond a baby and you're just like a babbling cannibal basically (laughs) wow interesting all right yeah so um when we meet them they're clearly like in their late teens early 20s um and ralph is probably in his like later 20s but ralph is degenerated the most and is kind of like um animalistic that they keep calling him like a big kid but he yeah he's like nonverbal and he's real like excitable uh and then the two girls who are like late teens early 20s are like dressed in like pinafores like children's dresses and they have pigtails and they're very like childlike but also they're all super homicidal (laughs) so um this these two cousins come in from out of town because they've heard that the the Mary patriarch is dead and that the aunts and uncles are dead. And so that the only people left are these cousins and the Mary family had a great fortune. So these cousins come in from out of town with a lawyer and a lawyer secretary, and they want to basically uh, institutionalize the children and get the Mary fortune. Ooh, interesting. And then Bruno, the the chauffeur is trying to care for the children because he promised the father that he would take care of them and not let anybody come and take them away. Mm. So that's the story. So right Um, now, so right now it's definitely making me think of a mix between of course, Benjamin Button and Adam's family values. (laughs) Wow. That's so funny because we watched Adam's family values last night before we watched spider baby. (laughs) Perfect. And yeah, we watched both actually, the first one and the second one, because then the that is like the second one's plot that they're <laughs> the fake fester is coming to take uh the uh, Adam's fortune. There you go. Wow. Yes, that's so inadvertent. I can't believe I didn't put that together while I was watching <laughs> last night. <laughs> so I guess that's the when you're that familiar with the material, I feel like things like that just kind of fall out of focus. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then mixed with like a, I don't know any cannibal movie. It's not just <laughs> Benjamin Button. It's like they age backwards and they're they're homicidal. Have I seen any cannibal movies? Nothing I comes to mind. I don't like cannibal movies because it inevitably means like a lot of skin peeling and biting and chewing. And oh, sure, good point. It's yeah, not guess, for me. I guess I've seen Cannibal the Musical. That's probably the best I've got. <laughs> the first uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Matt yeah. Parker and Trey Stone. I don't remember which way it goes. Don't worry. That happens to me all the time, too. <laughs> it's like their first artistic effort. Yeah, which, oh, I was not a fan, but it had a couple moments where I was like, these are very, very funny moments that should be remembered as as very funny. I remember liking it in college, but that's also yeah. when I liked South Park. So I don't 100% all of, I don't 100% like stand by all the things I liked in college. Yeah, I have a feeling I probably saw it a little later than I should have too. So uh, I, I get where you're coming from on that one. Um, the nice thing that I like about this movie is that it's pretty bloodless. So the cannibalism you can appreciate as like a fun trope and like a spooky atmospheric thing that's happening, but you don't Mm -hmm. actually see like skin being peeled off of a bone. So that could either be a reason for you to see it if you are somebody who's like a little more gentle about gore Mm -hmm. like I am, or it could be a reason that you're like, no, I'm not scary enough if you're a big horror bully. (laughs) Okay, so I guess I'm trying to uh, maybe logic it a little bit. So the the siblings are all children, but because they're all they, adults who have regressed to a childlike state of mind. Okay, so all right, so they're all adults, which means that they are at the beginning of their life, and they would as the as they get older, they will get younger, and that's why they're the kids. Yes. That makes, that makes sense to me. Uh, so I guess the the older they get, the more the younger they'll become. But they they start out cannibal like as a so the cannibalism is at the the raving cannibal part is at the beginning of their life, and then they slowly lose that to become more non cannibalistic but younger. No, or no, they more cannibalistic. They become cannibalistic as they get younger until they're just like these raving, like uh, sort of zombie esque. Yeah, but and but also like they become younger in that point, so they become zombie esque kids. Uh, no, they. It's like they become they the the cannibalism doesn't happen until they're like totally brain dead. So, like, they get younger and younger and younger, like, acting until they are, like, completely nonverbal and, like, not able to reason anymore. And Oh, so so they get younger acting, but they don't get physically younger. Is that what No. Yeah, that's why it's not like Benjamin Button. Like, they don't actually age backwards. It's like their mind degenerates. Oh, oh no. Yeah, that that's that's much sadder. Okay, cool. Good to know. Good to know. That helps me very much understand this a lot more. Yeah, so we see everybody as like the age they are in that movie when they filmed, which was like Virginia the actress was 17 and Elizabeth was like 20 and like Sid Haig was in his like mid 20s, I think. So we see them all as that age through the whole movie. But yeah. the way that they present is like very creepily like like killer children kind of like the bad seed. Right, right, right. And and so they have already gotten to that phase when the movie starts? 
Yeah, so when the movie starts, we uh, open up on uh, a mailman who's just trying to deliver some mail, and uh, we see Virginia, who basically traps him in a web. She's obsessed with spiders, and she keeps spiders in the house, and she basically, like, attacks this male, and she likes to pretend that she's also a spider, so she... (laughs) She holds these two giant, like, horror movie knives, um, like they're part of her, um, I don't know, like, like mouth, like a stinger. And she's like, oh. I caught you in my spider web. Now I'm going to sting you. And then she just, <laughs> like, cuts this person to death. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, this is very interesting. Do you see, do you see any flashbacks to when they were uh, before, oh. before the there's no flashbacks. We're not operating at that level of uh, production value. <laughs> Everything's pretty straightforward. I will say there's a really great wraparound. It starts with a guy holding a book that's like medical abnormalities. And he's like sitting in a chair and he's like, let me tell you the strange story of the Mary family and this disease that only they have, the Marys. So it's the Princess Bride. Got it. Perfect. Yeah, but he's telling you the audience. It's sort yeah. of like, um, like oh. oh, I didn't see you come in. <laughs> Hello. Oh, and he's talking fun. to you specifically as the audience. Oh, I like that. That's a good time. It's really fun. Yeah. And so, and that's why I say it's a horror comedy on purpose. Like, it's <laughs> the funny stuff's supposed to be funny. I don't think anything about it is it's like it's so bad it's funny or it's so bad it's enjoyable. That's not, it doesn't have any aspects of that. Like, I think it's right. a legitimately great, bonkers, low budget purposeful horror comedy interesting yeah so like uh so he explains to us that the mary disease is something that has been isolated and that now it doesn't exist anymore and it was brought on by a mix of um inbreeding essentially and uh i and and I think it was just from inbreeding, and then they became cannibals. And like the more inbreeding that happened, the more cannibalistic they got. <laughs> sure, that make, that uh, that's science. I'm on yeah, board for yeah, that. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> I, so it's also like this moralistic tale about not inbreeding, which is fun, also. <laughs> wow, amazing. <laughs> um. So. Uh, how about I get into my reasons and then you can, uh, stop me to flush out any more plot stuff. Does that sound good? Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Well, I've already talked about how it's low budget and that's something that I love about it. So we're going to do that as my first reason. Uh, this is one of those movies that when I watch it, I, it inspires me so much to make my next film because it's just so like that fun aspect of like flying by the seat of your pants and like we were talking about this before we went on the air, but like when you have constraints for like budget or time. And so you just try to figure out creatively what you can do with that. This movie (laughs) really feels like that sort of like evil dead. How I know you haven't seen that one cozy, but it's a very similar vibe to evil dead, but like 20 years earlier. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I really, I just like the, the black and white film thing where it's like, this movie didn't need to be black and white. Like it's could have been shot in color. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the black and white allows it to look even spookier and more shadowy. And because there's there's so many spiders in this movie, and that's how you know it's a really good movie, and I really love it because I it's my biggest fear, and there is nothing that upsets me more than spiders. So having mm-hmm. to see them on the screen a lot was really difficult. Even though I've seen this movie so many times, I never get used to like how gross these like tarantulas are. Oh God. <laughs> 
So um, that might be a reason for people not to see it, but you do get a pretty good idea of when you're going to see them each time. But I would say you probably see like at least six or seven different spiders like four or five times in this movie. Ooh, well, I like the idea of seeing spiders in a context other than my apartment. So that oh actually God. sounds nicer. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like spiders that are just fictional. That sounds very, very manageable and easy for me. <laughs> yes, they're incredibly fictional spiders. And they're probably dead now. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know how long tarantulas live. Okay, reason number two. I love the made-up age regression cannibal disease story. I think it's so creative and clever, and it's something I've never seen in any other horror movie since. Um, The whole... Yeah, the whole theme is totally original. Everything that happens in it, like... There's a couple of tropes. Like there's a scene, well, I'll talk about it a little bit later, but there's like a few like senescence, like sexual, like women in peril tropes. But other than that, this movie feels mm-hmm. very fresh from start to finish. Um, cool. Number three. Yeah, right? That's what you want. Especially horror movies, which like can get a little repetitive, which I don't mind. Like I love the tropes of horror movies, but for people who maybe are like, I don't want to watch just another slasher or another torture film or like another Mm -hmm. ghost story. Like this is totally outside of the typical um, genres, I would say that we see in most of our most popular horror movies. I am definitely one of those people even outside of horror. So that appeals to me. Yeah, that's why I think you'll really like it, too, is it's just, like, extraordinarily creative and funky. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, so number three reason, I am obsessed with these homicidal young women. I absolutely love the combination of, like, this high femme presentation of, like, pinafore dresses and big bows in their hair, but they're, like, adult women, um, but they have this childish banter. So there's, like, all of these, like, very feminine, like, very, um, like, traditionally high femme, but then they have knives and they're, like, trying to kill everyone that comes into the house. And it's all in this weird, elaborate, like, play space. So... It's also like, let's play a game. I'm the spider. And then these cousins who come into the house are like, okay, whatever. You're like an idiot that we're going to institutionalize. And then she Uh. like ties them up and the knives come out. (laughs) Ooh, yeah. Those family games. Very dog tooth. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. Great point, Cozy. This movie does remind me of dog tooth in that way. And I hadn't even thought about that until you said that. Yes, this is definitely the, like, let's play a game. We can't hurt you. I don't want to hurt you, but I do want you to stop squirming. So let me get all of your juices out. It's like, oh, my God. Amazing. (laughs) Yes, like, it's just so – and they are, like, they've only been in the house. So it does have that similar vibe to Dogtooth is, like, these people are crazy. They need to get out and also see a doctor. (laughs) Um. So I'm just like obsessed with them. And I love um, I love pairing things like, oh, you're like this girly girl who's really soft and dumb and like you only like dumb girl stuff paired with like, mm-hmm. ha ha, nah, I love to uh, stab and cut off ears and draw blood <laughs> and then eat people. It's a good contrast. Like it's, 
Exactly. It's the best contrast. And I never get sick of them. Like they oh, they talk in these sing-songy voices and they have <laughs> these like totally maniacal looks on their faces. And I always I like killer children movies a lot too. So this kind of scratches that itch as mm-hmm. well, even though they're like adults. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. Number four, I am obsessed with the whole cast, but specifically Sid Haig is so fucking funny in this movie for any of our listeners who are Sid Haig fans and have seen him as an old man in like the Rob Zombie films, like to see him as a young guy who's just hamming it up every time he's on the screen, he's like wide eyed and his mouth is always hanging open and he's got this long tongue that's always hanging out. He kind of looks like a golden retriever, (laughs) (laughs) but they dress when the cousins come over. Um, Bruno wants the kids to dress up for them and he's trying to get them to appear normal so that they don't get institutionalized. Mm. And they dress in these outfits that, so it's the sixties, but they are dressing in clothing that seems like it's from the twenties Uh, Like the girls have these drop waist dresses on and like these big uh, like bows. And then Brune or excuse me, Ralph Sid Haig's character is dressed in like, like a sailor costume with like shorts and like a little cap. Um, (laughs) And the whole time he's just like on all fours, like bouncing around and like being completely zany. He He uses the dumb waiter to travel between floors. So like every now and then like adults will be in a room talking and then you just hear this like, right. This dumbwaiter appears, and like Sid Haig is just all bundled up inside of this dumbwaiter with like his tongue lolling out. It's so (laughs) bizarre. (laughs) It's so many, so many laughs come from his performance. Like he's just—I think it's his greatest performance. But if you like, I love the way he hams it up as Captain Spaulding in um, *The Devil's Rejects* and in *House of a Thousand Corpses*. Like he's my favorite part. So imagine that, but he's younger and also sort of like a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Lon Chaney, it's so fucking cool to have Lon Chaney in this movie because many times throughout the movie, the characters are talking about how much they love monster movies. And it's like this great wink to Lon Chaney's like illustrious career in monster movies. And there's even a scene where they're all at the dinner table And the secretary to the lawyer is talking to one of the cousins and they're having this flirty relationship. And she's like, oh, I love the Wolfman. And Lon Chaney's like, better watch out. There's a full moon tonight. And it's so great because he was the Wolfman. Ah, nice. So it's got these really great winks to uh, Universal Monster Films, which are some of my favorite movies as well. Um, And like I said, the girls are just like hysterical. They constantly call the secretary pretty lady. And they're like, come with me, pretty lady. I want to show you your room, pretty lady. (laughs) And it's just like, (laughs) I just, it tickles me. I love it so much. So the cast is awesome. Um, And then number five, Number five is difficult. It's kind of like I have, I have two. I technically have six. Well, I'll just say (laughs) the house is legitimately spooky. Like if you like haunted house movies, while there isn't any supernatural elements to it, it's not about ghosts. It is like this dilapidated, creepy house. It's kind of reminiscent to the one in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's filled with animals, like wild animals. (laughs) Like, oh, dude. The lawyer is like poking around after dark trying to like see about, you know, getting money or whatever. And he opens up a room, a door to a room, and there's just like all these stuffed, like, you know, hunted animals uh, on the walls. And one of them is like this giant horned owl. 
but then it like turns its head and starts hooting and it's just like this real owl that's living in the room. <laughs> and then he like the camera pans to be the lawyer's point of view and you're seeing everything else. It's, so there's like other birds in the room and there's like a, a pile of hay that is covered in live rats and there's spiders all throughout the house and there's lizards um there's also uh what did I say oh yeah the 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 rats and the mice are like all over the place so it's it's such a creepy house it's like there's no ghosts but there's all the grossest like animals and bugs are living there and there's uh big cobwebs everywhere and it's just crazy to me that these like very I don't know, like fancy pris people are like, we're going to spend the night here. Like they're so greedy. Like they want money so bad that they're just putting up with like live rats being in their room. Ooh. Um, so it's a great haunted house. And then my honorable mention is that there is a scene where the two younger women are chasing the older cousin through the field behind the house. And everyone is wearing these amazing like lingerie nightgowns. And just to see like women running through a field at night with big sharp knives in lingerie, it's just very much my thing. <laughs> so lingerie knives in a field, that is my honorable mention. So uh, Cozy, what do you think? Do you want to see Spider Baby? I have a question. Uh, Please. Because I of course do. Let's see. So this <laughs> I of course do. No, I love it when you have questions. I'm happy to have the opportunity to clarify. Oh, good, 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 good. Okay, so this is a 1968 uh, black uh, black uh, comedy, dark horror movie, etc. Uh, horror comedy. Yes. So what decade does it feel like it was made in when you watch it? Does it feel like a 60s movie? Does it feel like a later or an earlier movie because of the black and white? What's the, what's the uh, feeling of it? That's the thing. It feels very much like a like a grindhouse, like low budget horror movie. Almost feels more seventies, but because it's there, because it's bloodless and the violence is sort of like you see it happening, but you don't see it. Like you don't see the knives entering somebody's body. Like you'll see her stab right. somebody, but there's no recourse to that. So like uh-huh. that aspect feels very like late fifties, early sixties. But then the subject matter feels more 70s. But everything is kind of out of time because this house, these children have just been in this house for decades. And it doesn't seem – and, like, the family has been in this house in decades. And, like, mm. all the clothes they wear are, like I said, from, like, the 20s and 30s. So I – it definitely feels older because it's black and white and you can tell it was, like, you know, not made in the last 30 years. Uh, yeah. But it sort of exists in this, like, bizarre, like – 1930s to 1970s space okay because yeah i'm trying to think of the things that i can compare it to in my mind uh because i haven't seen a lot of older movies and i tend not to Mm. um and it makes me think a little of the monsters which was 60s also and i did and how does it feel in comparison because the monsters has a little bit of a little bit of stiffness to it a little bit of like sitcom-y like old sitcom-y feeling but I feel like the the dad on that show kind of brings it more into a more modern feeling a little right, bit. Right, right. Um, so. I like the monsters a lot. I know what you're I know what you're saying. Um, because it's like a like low budget exploitation film, like there's no aspect of like that prim and proper. Like if you're like, does it feel oh, like good. the 60s? It's not like it feels like television did or anything. Like this wasn't a movie that was in 
mainstream theaters. Like this was right. like they raised the money and it was playing at like the same theaters that like porn was playing at on like 42nd Street in New York. Like it was, uh, it's grimy. <laughs> it's like okay, a very, yeah, no, it's a very grimy movie. So it doesn't feel right. like old fashioned or anything, if that's what you're wondering. Yeah, I think that helps me out a lot because something about the feeling of, of those old stodgy shows takes me so far out of reality and, and totally same with a lot of those older movies. But yeah, this, this sounds like it, it transcends that in an interesting lateral way rather than, than goes forward or backward from it. Um, yeah, no, it's very yeah. like, it's pervy and it's like creepy and disturbing. Like it's fully disturbing. They just, uh, you just don't see the gore, I guess. But all the right. aspects of it are still like pretty fucked up. Yeah, I think that, I, I definitely do want to see this movie. And I think that what clinches it for me most is the the female characters that you were talking about in their sort of weird uh, childlike voice singing and stuff like that. Something about that image uh, does put it into a, into its own time and makes it more appealing. And yeah, I think I would, yeah, I would check this out. Absolutely. This seems like a fun, weird movie. And I like oh my a fun, God. weird movie. Yes, it's extraordinarily weird. And the other thing I was going to say, you haven't seen the original Night of the Living Dead, right, George Romero? Correct. Okay, because that one is uh, similar in feeling, except for, like, it's so well made. Like, that one is, like, uh, excellent film. This (laughs) is, like, so well made for, like, a absolutely out-of-their-mind, like, whacked-out, bizarre, indie, like, trash film. (laughs) <laughs> do you know what I mean like so I was gonna say because Night of the Living Dead is also 68 so like uh the way that that film is like violent and disturbing and like extraordinarily yeah. upsetting I would say it's on like the same par except for that it's also purposely a comedy yeah like I've never seen any indie indie 60s movies in general let alone dark comedies from the indies like indie dark comedies from the 60s so yeah that's that sounds like I'm peeling back a different layer of film than I'm used to seeing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Like, it's so hard to compare it to anything. And if you're into that, like, it might be a good way to get into some of the, like, exploitation films, especially, like, Jack Hill's films are so fun. And, like, a lot of them are, a lot like, way more sexualized. Uh, like, mm. The Big Birdcage. Like, it's like a women in prison movie. And their tits uh, are just out, like, almost the entire time. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Um, and there's a lot more like shooting and like, um, uh, violence. This one is just so intimate. I, I love it. I think that you will really love it. And I would love to hear from any listeners who have seen it or are interested in seeing it. And you you may be convinced also by listening, please let me know. It's available to stream on Amazon right now, which is really cool because for a long time it wasn't available anywhere. Hmm. So, um, yeah, so it's great that you can, like, get it online. Um, and then we do, I think we have it at the video store. So, again, if you're in Los Angeles, come to Videotech and rent something from me. Um, and I can't wait to hear what you think when you get a chance to watch it, Cozy, because I do think that you'll have a lot of fun with it. Nice. Um, so what did you watch this week? Did you have, Or what did you do? Do you have anything to recommend to me and the listeners? Always, absolutely. There's always going to be something. <laughs> uh, this week... My recommendation is to make sure to back up your data on your computer or laptop because mine is acting a little scary. So, oh. and I never back anything up. 
I never even think about it, but I am a writer and all the things that I have done productivity wise are on this computer. So uh, Mm. I should back it up more often. And sometimes it helps to have something like this remind me of it. And sometimes a person like me can remind you, the listeners of it. So make sure to back up your stuff right now or tonight or this week if you have time to do so, because you never know, things can get scary. Did you lose everything? I, thank God, have not lost anything yet, but I have backed up everything. And I looked, and I think the last time I backed up everything was like 2007. So, yeah. That's a great reminder. I don't think I've backed up anything in the last year that I've had my computer. So, yeah, it's so important. I mean, I'm a little afraid because my backup drives are also kind of very old. So I have a little bit of fear around those. So maybe another recommendation is buy a new, like one of the new ones, Mm because that will remind you to back it up. Eh, I don't know. Just back it up. You'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to get too confusing with my multiple recommendations over here. So just back up your data. Lucy, what about you? Well, thank you for that recommendation. I appreciate that. I needed it. Um, Mm -hmm. This week, I watched a movie I'd never seen before. I loved it so much. Mm -hmm. It's Vincent Price's 1971, The Abominable Dr. Phoebes. And (laughs) it is so fucking good. And then I watched the sequel, um, Dr. Phoebes Rises Again. Mm. And it is so bizarre as we're talking about strange films from the late 60s, early 70s. It's got an incredible color palette. It's got just very like trippy um, uh, fever dream costuming and set design. Very like colorful Mm -hmm. and strange. Like one character sleeps in like a mirrored bed that is like in the ground and has a cover and then the bed cover opens and they crawl out of this mirrored bed. It's very strange. Weird. I like it. So yeah. what is the, can you spell out that, that doctor's last name for the audience? And myself? Yeah. I'm not actually sure if I'm saying it correctly. P H I B E S. Gotcha. Oh, I have no idea how they say it in the shows or in the, in the movie. So works for me. <laughs> it's a uh, older uh, Vincent Price. Uh, and the description is a doctor, scientist, organist, and biblical scholar, Anton Phoebes, seeks revenge on the nine doctors he considers responsible for his wife's death. Whoa, I love that. Is it oh. nine different revenges? Yes. Oh, fuck yeah. I love... Anything set up like that is very appealing to me for some reason. Just the order of problem solving, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, are you a big Kill Bill fan? Yes, I love Kill Bill very much. And, you know, (laughs) Kill Bill and, and, uh, and and Scott Pilgrim are both like, let's slowly take revenge on everybody. Or not revenge, but let's slowly deal with people, individual people. And yeah, I really love those. That's awesome. I didn't know that was like your genre thing, your, your very specific niche interest. I love I don't it. Know if I realized that either. But yeah, it's very video gamey. It's like solve this problem, then solve this next problem. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> well, the tagline I think you'll appreciate too is love means never having to say you're ugly. What? what? <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that one. That's a weird one. <laughs> I got to parse that later. <laughs> it's. It's totally like a strange art film of just like, I don't know, like a, like a carnival of murder and costumes and organ music. <laughs> That's cool. I like that. Uh, that's an environment that I don't see often. 
Great. Well, highly recommend. Um, and yeah, let us know if you guys have seen that. You guys can reach out to us on uh, Need to See Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And You Need to See This has a Facebook group and a Facebook page that you can like for updates. And uh, you can reach out to me at LTB Comedy on Instagram and Twitter. And Cozy runs our Facebook group, so you can see him there. And Cozy, do you have anything coming up that you want to promote or shout out? Um, look out for a Halloween-themed uh, comedy show that I'm going to be doing later this month. Um, I haven't really put anything online about it yet, but I might as well mention it now and next week for fun. Um, on uh, Let's see, on Wednesday, October 14th, uh, Crash This Party, my fun indie variety show, is coming back uh, online. We're going to do it on Zoom, uh, and we're going to do it on Twitch uh, at Twitch uh, Sweet Dalai Lama, which is an impossible thing to spell. Um, <laughs> S-W-E-E-T, and then D-A-L-A-I, and then L-A-M-A. So multiple puns avoided and multiple puns gone for in there. Uh, <laughs> and Luce will also be a part of that. She will yes. be doing a story for Halloween, and I'm really excited. It's going to be super fun. So uh, tune in for that, and I'll remind you again next week. Thank you so much, Cozy, and thanks for the invite. I'm excited to do that show. I actually, as you know, I have taken a stand against online comedy just because <laughs> I don't have fun doing it, so I just don't want to. But mm. I am so excited to be included, and um, I guess I do want people to not take a stand about it, so you come watch me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Plus, I... I the one thing that I know about all of my shows is that afterwards everybody says that it was super fun. So that's what you can expect from an online version of my stuff is a good time where it's super fun. That's terrific. Okay. Well, I look forward to that. Thank you. Um, and then you guys, uh, my recommendation or my plug is to, to listen to my new uh, podcast that Pete and I do called It's Always Halloween. And it is a history research-based podcast about every single aspect of the Halloween uh, experience, traditions, monsters, uh, customs. So, And then I also have a, a listener episode every week. So I have one history episode and one listener episode where people call in and share Halloween memories and ask for Halloween-related advice. So you can find that wherever you're listening to this. We're on all of the things. Ooh, so you have one, one you have one history episode and then one listery episode, or is listery. it one, or is it one hissner episode and then one listener episode? That's it. It's hissner. That's or, the professional. That's what thing. I was hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, good luck with your computer issues, cozy. I'm. I hope that you get those fixed. Uh, okay at Best Buy today. Oh, thank you so much. Oh God, I'm glad you're I... able to jump on for the show. Yeah, me too. It's going to be the uh, the most outside that I have been during this pandemic, uh, the longest walk and the most in a store. And I'm terrified of all the aspects because it's Halloween. <laughs> yes, that's, it's Halloween and it's a pandemic. So uh, yeah. I mean, I've been out, uh, you know, going to work and stuff. So I will just say mm. like wearing your masks and sanitizing and keeping that six feet between people is key. So yes. um I, I wish you luck. I think it's going to be okay, but I know it'll be kind of uh, scary. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be all right, honestly. 
Definitely. Well, listeners, I hope you're taking care of yourselves and each other and your community by staying safe with masks and distancing. Uh, We want to keep you all around for a while. We enjoy interacting with you. (laughs) Um, So thank you so much for listening to You Need to See This. Thank you, Pete, for doing all the audio for You Need to See This. And hit us up. Yes, you're the best, Pete. Uh, Hit us up on Apple. uh, Leave us a five-star review, and we'll read it on the air. Um, So thanks for listening to You Need to See This Halloween Edition. Big stink.